Welcome to the American Citizens Abroad podcast. I'm Michelle, and today I'm chatting with Kaylin, the brains behind Girl Gone London. Welcome, Kaylin. Thanks for chatting with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Let's start with a little background. Could you tell us a bit about where you're from and your experience abroad? I was born and raised in Orlando, Florida, and I decided to go to the University of Pittsburgh for my undergraduate degree. And while at Pitt, I got involved in the study abroad program. They really pushed study abroad at Pitt. So I went to London as a student, and then I just fell in love with the city. I ended up coming back. I did my master's here. And then I met my now husband, who is British, fell in love, got married. And I've now lived in London for 10 years. What surprised you most when you first moved to London? I think the most surprising thing and why I fell in love with the city in the first place was how safe I felt exploring on my own. I mean, I was a 19-year-old girl in a foreign country, in a foreign city. I felt like even more so than in my hometown, even more so than in Pittsburgh, I just felt really safe and confident exploring the city on my own. London has a really good public transportation system that also, again, feels just really safe and secure. Obviously, it's a big city, so you have to be careful anywhere. Compared to the American cities I had been to, there was just this feeling of of comfort in exploring on my own. And so that, I think, is what surprised me the most because I was really nervous about maybe just sticking with groups or sticking with people. But especially in central London, even as a 19-year-old, I knew that I could find my way around. People would give me directions if needed. I couldn't end up in a neighborhood that I didn't want to be in. And that was really surprising. And also, I think, why I fell in love with London in the first place. How has living abroad changed you? Two things. Firstly, more confident, which I think a lot of expats feel. I was talking to someone the other day and They were saying, you go up to everybody. I participate in a hobby once a week and at this like group activity. And they said, you know, you just go up to people and you say hi to them. And like you have all these friends, even though you've only been doing it for a couple of months. And she was like, I could never do that. And I thought to myself, I was like, to be honest, I was never like that before. I did not have that confidence before moving abroad. But I realized, especially in a foreign country, you have to you have to find that confidence in yourself to navigate everything from visas to paperwork to practical stuff, but also social situations. You have to really develop a thick skin and a confidence. So it's definitely made me more confident. And the other thing that I would say is it's made me a lot more resilient. Living abroad, I think there are so many times, even 10 years later, when things don't go the way I expect, or I've read a situation wrong, or I'm just in a new situation whether it's buying a house or I'm self-employed now with Girls on London, so dealing with like business stuff. There's always stuff that you don't anticipate. You don't you don't know what's going on. And being able to kind of roll with the punches and be resilient and keep going, I think is the other nice positive way that living abroad has changed me. What do you miss most about the U.S. when you're in the U.K. and anything you don't miss? The two things I miss, number one, is open space. The UK is a lot smaller than the US. I think it fits into the state of California. It's less than the state of California on its own. Life is a bit more on top of each other here. And the houses are a lot smaller. And so that kind of feeling of just the amount of land we have in America, how you could just drive for hours on these straight roads and just see a blue sky. I do miss that about the US. And the other thing I miss is the American sense of 
friendliness and openness. It's a bit different than here in the UK. In the US, just as a culture, I think we're we're more okay with opening up to people that we've just met or beating that friendship process along quite quickly. Whereas here in the UK, it's a bit more measured and it takes a bit more time to get to know people. So I do miss that American sense of warmth and friendliness. It's not that I found the British people that I know to be unfriendly. It's just that it takes a little bit longer. So sometimes, yeah, I miss that American sense of friendliness. I don't miss the amount, especially someone coming from Florida, the amount of natural disasters and natural intense weather that we have all across the U.S., whether it's earthquakes or hurricanes or sinkholes or tornadoes. When you move to the U.K., which doesn't really have any of that, it's very mild climate, you realize in certain states in the U.S. how much of your time is spent just bracing from Mother Nature, whereas here in the U.K., it's just a bit more a bit more mild and you're not constantly tracking things or dealing with the severe weather that we do in the U.S. I don't miss that. I like living in the U.K. where it's just a bit calmer. What differences between America and the U.K. do you find most fascinating, interesting, or humorous? The one that comes to my mind is the attitude towards convenience. In the U.S., we love things being convenient and efficient. We love a drive through a drive through ATM is something that most British people, it blows their mind. And here in the UK, it's the complete opposite end of the spectrum. It's almost like convenience is like a bad word to them. So sometimes I get the sense that people in the UK suffer a little bit for the sake of suffering is how I explain it to people. Like we're all in this suffering together. For instance, it is getting hotter in the summers in the UK since I've been here. We've had like 100 and I think it reached 102 or 104 degrees in London this summer, like the hottest day on record. I have had portable air conditioning, not central AC, because the UK doesn't really use AC. We got portable air conditioners because being from Florida, I was like, this is a necessity. We don't use it all year, but when it gets hot, then we can use them. We get made fun of all the time by our British friends and family for having these portable air conditioners because it's seen as this convenience that's over the top. Whereas when it gets 104 degrees here and I turn on my AC, everybody else is finding the ice packs and doing whatever. But it's, it's like a we're all in it together situation for them. And this sort of like, we don't want things to be too convenient, right? Or like too efficient. The American expats that I've met in the UK we're always talking about our air conditioners and our this and our that, and we miss drive throughs and we definitely get made fun of by our British friends for that sense of convenience. When you do return to the U.S., do you experience reverse culture shock? So I think I do and I don't, depending on where I am mentally in my life in the U.K. Americans in general, and I'll include myself in this, were very loud compared to in public how a British person might act. So when I go to America, everything seems louder and brighter and more like in your face, whereas here in the UK, it's a bit more subdued and a bit more mild-mannered. I definitely get some reverse culture shock having to do with big box stores, like a Target or like a Costco. There are Costcos in the UK. There's a couple of them, but they're not as big as like an American Costco. The sheer amount of 
stuff that we have for sale in the U.S., the ice cream aisle in the grocery store, I definitely forget every time I go back. It starts to seem crazy to me, whereas before it never would, whereas there's maybe like, I don't know, like four or five ice cream options in the UK. They would never dream of a whole aisle of of ice cream options or frozen pizza options. I definitely get a little bit of reverse culture shock, but because my job is relating to expat life and to helping Americans who are coming abroad, I feel like I maintain a little bit more of my connection and understanding of the U.S. than maybe some other expats who fully immerse themselves in British life. I definitely still feel that American connection. What inspired you to create Girl Gone London, both the blog and your YouTube channel? The blog started in 2014 when I was a student doing my master's degree in the UK. And the very practical reason it started was because as a student in the UK, you can only work part-time hours. So I had time on my hands between studies and working. I didn't fill my whole week. I needed something else to do. So I started it as a fun hobby. But the reason emotionally for me that I started it was when I was doing my initial move to the UK, there was not the amount of information available on really anything back then. I was figuring it out from government websites and guessing at things, but I didn't have someone guiding me in the process. I just felt like I had a bunch of useless knowledge to me that I could then pass on that would be really useful to somebody else. And so that was the start of it. And I never intended to turn it into a business. It was really just an outlet for me and a hobby. And then over the years, it became my job and my business, which is amazing. But it really was just me having a bunch of <laughs> a bunch of knowledge about silly things like is there a target in the UK that I thought Americans might want to know. There's a lot of content on the web, but creating quality content can be tough. How do you decide what topics to cover? What goes into your preparation for your YouTube videos? The topics for the website, which is a little bit different than the YouTube channel. So the website is definitely based on what American expats might want to know before moving to the UK, as well as more general travel advice on things to do in the UK. And I get a lot of my ideas from a Facebook group I run, which has a bunch of Americans and Canadians and Australians, but mostly Americans, who are visiting to or moving to the UK. And I basically source ideas from them and ask them what they want to know about. The top free things to do in London is an obvious thing. Who doesn't want to know free things to do in a city they're visiting, but equally Things like, how do I use my American phone in the UK? If I'm moving over, do I keep my this number? Do I Things like that, people ask a lot, and so I turn those into articles. For the Girl Gone London YouTube channel, it's a little bit different because I'm using it a bit more as an entertainment platform. Instead of necessarily doing those instructional guides, I do a lot more of UK-versed US content. Maybe I'll have a video that's seven differences between the UK and the US that most people don't talk about because I've lived here for so long that there's so many things that people don't usually mention. Everybody knows they drive on the other side of the road. Most people do know that the UK is smaller than the US, but also just a bit more crowded on top of each other and things like that. But people don't know that the smaller differences. So the YouTube content 
really comes mostly from me going through my daily life being like, oh, I should make a video about that or having a conversation with somebody and jotting down like, hey, I should I should mention this in a video to entertain both Americans and Brits who kind of want to know more about the other country. Did you have to invest in equipment to properly film your videos? Did you experience a learning curve? I definitely experienced a learning curve. I'm very lucky because my husband is very well versed in videography and camera equipment. So I'm lucky in that it's a bit of a partnership in that sense. I did invest in a proper camera to record on with a microphone that actually is a separate microphone. I'm not very tech savvy despite having a YouTube channel. So it definitely is a learning curve. I thought for months that my microphone didn't work, but it turns out I hadn't turned up the volume button on my editing program. I'm still learning and figuring out the easiest way for me to do it, but it's been so rewarding to have the channel that it's been worth it. But it's been a journey technologically for sure, still ongoing. Where are most of your subscribers based? For the YouTube channel, it's about half the UK and half the US, funnily enough, which works out well to what what I'm trying to do. And I get a lot of comments from British viewers who appreciate me going over the differences and things that they didn't realize about America. I've kind of always seen my role as an expat. It is to assimilate into the culture I've moved into. Equally, I think it's to educate people around me here about the American stereotypes and how they're not necessarily all true and figure out what people think about Americans and try and be as good of an ambassador as I can be. It's cool that I have a half and half split because it's both people from both countries and both cultures coming together and they'll have conversations in the comments. British people will say, hey, I'm going to Chicago on holiday in a couple of weeks and you'll have people commenting saying you should go here, like make sure you know this. So it, it's a really nice atmosphere and a really nice split between countries. You mentioned it earlier and it sounds like you are engaged in the community of expats in London. Who are those expats composed of? Sure. So my community of expats in London has been mostly study abroad students, especially when I was one, and young professionals in the city. In London, we are definitely all over. It's a very popular place for Americans to move to. So there are a lot of expat communities. I've created my own meetups through Girl Gone London. So that's how I've met a lot of people who are either studying abroad here or, like I said, are kind of in their 20s, 30s, 40s, move their family over for their career or something like that. I do have a lot of American friends here that I've met in that community. And I think especially when it gets harder, whether that's maybe in a certain time of the year, like the winters here tend to be very difficult for me because of the weather or just where you are in your expat journey. Not all of my answers that I'm giving you today would have been my answers five years ago. My thoughts and experiences here change, but having that American community here has been, especially on Thanksgiving, has been huge for me in feeling like I'm not alone and people can relate to the cultural differences. I explained it to someone the other day. Imagine you go through life and nobody understands the things that you reference. People don't necessarily catch on to because we don't realize how much we reference from our childhoods or 
from our home culture until you're in another culture and they say, who's that or what's that? Or somebody else makes a reference and you say, I have no idea who this famous British celebrity is that everybody seems to know. That American community of people that you can just talk to without translating your cultural references and what you're talking about has been really, really nice. What challenges have you experienced as an American abroad? There's been a lot of practical challenges. Just the bureaucracy of visas and paperwork has been really stressful, as it would be if you're applying for this stuff in any country. It's just a lot of paperwork and a lot to keep track of, a lot of financial requirements to be on top of, things like figuring out taxes between countries still is something that I haven't completely wrapped my mind around, especially if you have a business but you're an American citizen, but you live in another country. I think a lot of the challenges are really the practical things. I am a dual citizen now, actually, but even if you're an American in the UK on a visa, there's just a lot of paperwork and a lot of things that you have to be really in the know about because you don't want to mess things up for either country's paperwork that they require. Do you find that organizations who represent Americans living abroad are helpful in resolving any issues or problems you've had? Yes, I definitely use a lot of different organizations. So the ACA in particular, I've gone to for voting advice because you don't realize when you move to a different country, all the different things. How do I remain registered in my home state or the state I used to live in? Where should I register? How do I vote from abroad, especially in recent elections and upcoming elections? Like, I want to make sure that I'm still being a good American citizen because I will never give up my citizenship. I will always be an American citizen. Using the ACA and other organizations to really run you through those practical elements has been really helpful because it's very straightforward answers. Go here, do this, this is what you need. And especially in a world where I'm in a lot of Facebook groups, which is fantastic for emotional support, but not always so fantastic for practical support because everybody has a different answer. Yeah, using those American organizations for people abroad has been really helpful to make sure I'm getting the right information. Any advice for Americans who would like to relocate to London? There's a general advice of like, you can do it. Move here. You'll have a great experience and learn new things about yourself, which is true. But I was thinking, you know, the most practical advice I can give specifically for Americans coming to the UK is that in recent years, the UK is actually making it easier to come abroad, much easier than it was for me 10 years ago. There's various reasons for this, but there's a couple more visa options that are available to look into. And there's more than just the basic work visa and student visa and partner visa these days. There's other types of visas. So definitely consult somebody about those options and don't automatically think that if you really want to relocate and you don't already have something set up through a job or something, definitely like research into the options and don't think that it's not possible because it's becoming a little bit easier. Yeah, I would encourage people to follow that that dream and that route and, and look into all of your options if that's something that you want to do. And do you have any last thoughts you'd like to share? On a personal note, it's been a real journey for me. The fact that I'm talking to you right now about my 10-year experience is a little bit crazy because I sometimes still feel like that 19-year-old who just moved here. But 
I think my last thought for anybody listening, if you are an expat or you're considering being one, I think my takeaway from these 10 years and from Girl Gone London has really been to try and be as open and honest as possible, either about your experience to other expats or about your concerns or thoughts about moving abroad. I will be open right now and tell you that there were years here where I didn't like it necessarily because the UK was a problem, but because I was struggling like within myself of finding my place and finding friends. There's different stages of, of any expat life, but I found it really, there's a lot of pressure, especially to like friends and family back home to feel like you're living the dream, you're living abroad, wherever you end up, you kind of feel like you're failing if you don't feel grateful all the time or you feel homesick or things like that. You're not alone if you feel those things. It's really normal. And I think everybody, as much as we talk about the good, I do love it here and I'm very grateful. It's also important to just be honest about just the different things that we go through. And it's not all sunshine and rainbows and that's fine. Like it's normal. And I just think honesty is kind of the best policy when it comes to helping other expats and talking to people who are considering being expats. Well, happy 10-year anniversary. Thank you. And thanks for chatting with us today. Thank you so much for having me. The American Citizens Abroad podcast is a monthly podcast that is published the second Tuesday of each month. It is edited and produced by me, Michelle, and is a product of American Citizens Abroad. You can find us on Twitter at ACA underscore podcast, on Facebook at American Citizens Abroad podcast, or you can email us at podcast at americansabroad.org. Remember, give us a good rating on Apple Podcasts so other Americans living abroad can find us.